We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Man, this is going to be kind of like our last video of the year, I think, actually. Yeah, yeah, we won't record again, because next week, you'll be here. Yeah, buddy. Hey, hey, cheers. Cheers to a good year. Great year. To a great year with good friends. And I appreciate it, man. This this has been a really good experience, and I think it's brought us closer together as friends. (laughs) Is it something that, you know, keeps getting better and better every year? And we have Irish Christmas next year. (laughs) Well, I think that's a different video for when we decide what we're going to be talking about next year coming up soon. But for right now, my friend, let's end this year with none other than one of my favorite new channels out there that if you guys are not subscribed to, Brandon's bookshelf does an amazing job and he put this custom original tag together. It's awesome. And uh, please go show some love and subscribe to him. He's got a goal of hitting a thousand subs by the end of the year. And, you know, we wish him the best of luck on hitting that journey and want to help him on his way. These questions are amazing. I We've done so many tags. Well, not so many, but we've done several tags. <laughs> Maybe not as many as we would like to. But these are some good questions that I've always kind of wanted answered because I think they're very for us. They're on brand of conversational type things of just some ways that we feel about books and life and stuff in general. Great right, job, Brandon, right. on those questions. I've got answers for three of them. So let's go. Question what? number one. <laughs> Question number one, boxers or briefs? Wait, do I have the right file? Open? Boxers? I no, yeah. I got the wrong. Hang on, I got the wrong. I'm not an old man yet. <laughs> I've got the wrong <laughs> I don't need uh, file up here. Yeah, yeah. We, well, the, when I said late night, I didn't mean, okay, anyways, <laughs> what's more important, a good character plot or message? Oh, that's yours. Question one. Oh, evens. I wasn't ready for this one. That That's not fair. You're going to make me do this one? <laughs> yes. Every question we're doing, yes or no answer. Sorry, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) We cheat. Did we tell you that? Bad. This is is a broad question, right? Because what if we're talking about nonfiction, right? I mean, does plot and character kind of go away? Is it just message? Is it just facts? Um, I think a broad question is going to get a broad answer. Now, let's, let's do it the opposite. Let's say we take out one of these. Are there books that I like with absolutely no plot at all? Absolutely. Clarice Lispector, one of our favorite authors of all times, right? Yeah, are there consciousness. Are there books that I like with no characters? Okay, well, let's pretend nonfiction isn't in this running, right? But but if, mm. if a book has crap characters, I don't I don't know if there's one where I'm like, man, all these characters suck, but I still like this book. Like that's just not in my radar. So I, so I guess that one maybe. And in terms of message, I think we only like to read stories with messages. Uh, we do have a lot of genre fiction that we'll kind of throw in as kind of like our uh, reset, you know, they call it palate cleanser, if you will. But I wouldn't say that's the main of what we like to to read for. Now, have you noticed, though, as we've done the channel and you've gotten older, that the palate cleansers have been less needed and sometimes less enjoyable? 
First of me. all, who I'm the, I don't get older. There's a picture of me out there that gets older. I stay this beautiful Una all Gray. the time. I am <laughs> Una Gray. So I will have you know that I am a young buck friend. All right, question Zoom number two. Zoom in on two. that gray beard. <laughs> don't talk about that gray beard. I'm going to fix that in color post afterwards. All right. Should one <laughs> read books about ideas or opinions they disagree with? Man, loaded gun 1, on that one. thousand percent yes. I so think it's important that you learn counter arguments. This is a good way of persuasive writing. Um, I think it's a great way of a speaking strategy to uh, have a chance to refute you know, the opposition. Uh, and the more that you know about someone else's point, you can position yourself to try to prove that you are right. I think it's so vital for those critical thinking skills nowadays. What if someone asked you to read a book about Flat Earth? You going to read that book? I don't know if I would delve into <laughs> what I would consider <coughs> nonsense. <laughs> no, possibly. Uh, you know, I would, I guess, have to respect the idea of, okay, we're going to have a civil conversation about something and read a counter argument that I maybe could be persuaded to and then be able to have a, a a discussion about this and see where they're coming from. I think it's important. Well, what what about? Okay, let's let's go super controversial here. What if it was a sign that you would never be persuaded to? You know there's no chance. Let's say someone wants you to read a book about why you should be racist or something like that or or you know, a book from from Adolf Hitler or something like that. You never are going to even attempt to go that way, right? You don't believe in it. It's not you. You going to read that book? Oh, even more so, I think. If you're okay. trying to break down the ideas that are so enrooted in some people's minds of just to get an understanding of why somebody believes this certain way that gives you a better perspective. Yes. If they're saying, read this book because this book made me believe why I believe this, then you definitely have to, you, you owe it to that relationship with that person to read that book. To me, I actually, I kind of just falter on a different part there where if I am not, my heart is not open to truly trying to understand, I don't think it's worth for me reading the book. And if I really don't think that there's a chance that I would ever try to think this way, even understanding that way, I don't know, I don't, is that really going to be valuable for me to understand that other point of view? Right. And I think that comes down to the self-confirmation bias. How do you know you're not just reading things that you want to be true, right? Like you're searching for the answers and you're like, I read this because I already think it's true. So now I'm pulling that out. It's like the self-confirmation bias. So that's like a really hard question where now I'm kind of like, okay, well, maybe I do need to read, always read the opposing viewpoint. Uh, I always do that with a religion. I love reading, you know, the, the books from theologists. I love reading books from atheists. I like to see all the points of view because that's one of those situations where it's like, I need to understand the steel man for both sides to really kind of like articulate my own position. Yeah. I just, as I said, I think it sets you up in a great position to refute the opposition and try to show why your point is better. Maybe not the right point, but just a better point. All right. As tech advances, what do you think will be the role of books? That's your question. I think, I think they're supposed to be read, right? <laughs> All right. Question number four. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> this is because uh, Brandon hit me. You've been you've been commenting on people as they've been doing this. You got a loaded gun there when you say the role of books, right? Uh, to me, it's the role of narrative. I think because we saw 
I mean, we didn't see. We've read about <laughs> 1950s. This is a channel built on lots of short stories. We think the short, shorter fiction is one of the most brilliant forms of reading, and I think it's underrepresented. Part of why we push it so much is I wanted. I think that that form should be represented in BookTube. And here's my deal: that almost died. Like it, it's been severely wounded. It's limping along compared to now as how it was in the 40s and 50s. And what happened was TV came along, right? Along came a different way to tell story that you can tell it through the TV and get 30 minutes of entertainment as opposed to sitting down and reading 30 minutes of of a short story. I still think the short story has its value, but you can't say that the the medium for which we consume narrative hasn't changed in some regard. And I think we're seeing that now too with this shicky shock makutak stuff that you watch, that TikTok junk. You know, you've got... 30 second, 10 second, just of, of a story of a joke of something being told. And it's taking away people's attention from what used to be longer form, such as now longer form is YouTube. Oh my gosh. 15 minutes is so long. Like, like it goes back to remember that story read spring break. Yep. Yeah, I, was just, I was literally thinking that was playing in my head. <laughs> that's what I was language thinking about. changes and that's okay. Right. Some some people may scowl at TikTok, but TikTok can be nuggets of information. Narrative is going to change. The way it's delivered is going to change. And it's up to us to determine how we use that. And I'm always going to use it in a way that I think is going to be pushing myself to think differently. I think the hit nail on the head real quick is that the way you consume media and information changes and the compartmentalization of information and the attention stand of individuals has changed in over time has changed over time and the thing about books is it's open interpretation and for the most part you don't get to talk to the author so you're open to believe whatever you want about the book not to say that you're going to be able to talk to a director or writer of a movie but there is a very limited scape to that of yes you get to interpret some things but you only see what they want you to see you only hear what they want you to hear in a book, you get to make all those things up in your head of what a person really, truly looks like. What is the music playing in the background? What do the sound effects sound like? A movie is giving you that, and that's all you get. And I like that's why I enjoy sometimes books so much more is because I'm in control of of the narrative. I'm in control of, of more. You little Scorsese, you making yeah. so much better decisions than the actual directors themselves all right question number four how important are summaries review and art in your book choosing well there's a lot to break down here um the short answer it doesn't matter anymore because of the schedule (laughs) you're darn right schedule is law (laughs) the schedule is law it's the whip Um, no, but when I was younger, cover art was very, very important. I would go to Barnes and Noble or Mm. Walden books and I would walk (laughs) around and I'd see some of the cool fantasy books or Star Wars books. And that was what made me pick up the book. And then I would read the jacket and I would decide whether I want to spend my money. Um, and, and I think that sometimes summaries can be, uh, enjoyable, but I feel like sometimes they are a disservice as they will, uh, be subjective or quote spoil something or be too vague and the book doesn't live up to what I thought the book was going to be about on the summary um, and it probably shouldn't matter but you know summaries and cover art those are people's jobs and they do that specifically for a reason uh, to entice people to buy books I would uh, 
I remember being a young lad picking comic books based on the cover, right? Just flipping through the rack, the, the long spinny racks or whatever at the uh, local like little convenience store. Oh yeah, oh yeah, cover was real important. All right, question number five. Should one ever skim or scan a book? And the answer to that is clearly should one, I don't, I don't like the way that's worded, can't, is one allowed to, right? Um, I think the answer to that is yes, that, that particularly with nonfiction, you might be picking it up for something. And the way nonfiction publication works is you don't have as much short nonfiction where you don't have like, you have limited information. Like you, if it is, it's like usually one of those like 101 or for dummies books, but there's, <laughs> there's either like real short or real long nonfiction. And the, usually you go with the long fiction cause it has that information and you can try and find it biography information. You're working on a specific angle you might just go to specific years for that author for figuring out some stuff in that regard. Uh, for fiction, you know, um, there's I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that I don't think there's anything wrong with skimming a book. Now, if you skim a book and then you're like, I read this book, let me tell you about it. We got a problem, right? Um, there's such a thing as inspectional reading, and there is value in getting the emotional resonance and initial reactions to it. Just experiencing a book for pleasure and just reading. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's also techniques about close reading and going back a second time. And to me, I think it's a little disingenuous if you skim and say, I've read the book. You skim the book. I think they're, I don't know, the word choice is important there. But I'm also not that dude that's like, you didn't you read the book. Read. Yeah, we don't I was, speed well, read. I was going to go to the different angle where, you know, some people do that, that really pretentious thing. The, oh, you didn't <laughs> read the book. You listened to it on audio. That's one of those ones where I'm not tight on those words. It's the skimming that, that bugs me a little bit. Fair enough. All right. Number six, should reading always be enjoyable? I like this question. And I don't, not necessarily. Uh, I guess if, if it's a bad book, then that's one thing, right? Uh, but if it's just you don't like the content, the genre, the style, the message, or whatever that is, that's something else entirely. Um, and one thing that I have done tremendously uh, that you have helped push me is I have learned a lot, especially from the, some of the short stories that I didn't necessarily enjoy, but I enjoyed our conversation. And I think mm -hmm. that's one thing that we try to push on here is one, you should read. And two, you should find somebody to read with. You need to have conversations about these short stories and books you're reading because you get so much more out of them. And I think that is ultimately the author, the author's purpose of a lot of authors is yeah. to talk about these works and learn from them and engage with your fellow you know, friends and peoples. Well, and I think we see that with BookTube. You hear about buddy reads all the time or read-alongs, and they kind of foster these communities. And, and a lot of times it's between BookTubers. You know, if you're a viewer out there, you're not a BookTuber, consider asking someone to read a book with you sometime if you've never done that. Um, sometimes BookTubers are that avenue for you, but there's something to be said about reading with someone and having a conversation. Book, book clubs have been something a long time, right? Book, yeah. book clubs have been around for a long time. Yeah. Number seven, is it important to be well read? And in this one, I'm going to point to Tom from LA Books, another person that if you're not subscribed to, you should check out because he's incredibly intelligent. And he had a, a wonderful line in there about elitism and how there's far too many opinions out there. And it kind of made me chuckle and it made me laugh thinking about, you know, that angle. Uh, again, go to his channel and I'll put a link down below for his angle. But I, I couldn't help but think of Vonnegut's quote from uh, Sirens of Titans where he says, there's room enough for an awful lot of people to be right about things and still not agree. 
And that's just a quote that's always stuck with me about things. And it helps me think about, you know, what it means to be well-read. And there are a lot of opinions out there, but that's okay. There's a lot of room out there for us to to be well-read and not agree necessarily. That was very meta of you. That was nice. You used a quote and being well-read to be able to express yourself. Hmm. I know. I know. Hmm. You see what I did there? (laughs) Just throwing out. Yeah, I do. I'm picking it up. I'm picking it up. I, 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 I give credit to the highball. It allows me to process illusions much faster than Sober Una could. You, you should give the credit to Vonnegut. <laughs> <laughs> so much of my life should be given to Vonnegut. All right, number eight. What is your book buying process? Credit cards. All right, number nine. Uh, I I'm don't. <laughs> no, but but on a fun note, do you, I miss, I do miss a long time ago when I was a kid, my grandma would take me to the mall and I would go to Walden Books and I would ask the employees, hey, you know, uh, they'd see me, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old kid and be like, I want to read, you know, I read this book. Uh, I like this author. I like this, you know, fantasy genre of middle fantasy or high fantasy, and uh, or I want an, an adventure book or something. And I, I, rem- I, I think that's why I love the channel and, and talking books and stuff with you so much. Is I miss going into the stores and having conversations like that, and and seeing the employee get excited that I'm excited about the potential of having this experience of reading this book. Yeah, I actually I had that. I had a much narrower view. I would go into my my love was was borders and borders i think went completely out of business i would do the same thing though where i would peruse it but i didn't ask other people for assistance i would actually just look at the books and just and just flip through them i would spend hours like we're talking like two three hours and i'd buy one book oh yeah you know what i mean it has some nostalgia to me and i i miss that store a lot i I really did enjoy that it was like i knew how to navigate it it was my jam it was my jam all right what are we on 10 all right let's just say we're on 10 nine okay 10 (sighs) Fine, nine. What is your reading process? Uh, I start on the left and I move to the right, start at the top, move down. Number 10, <laughs> how do you use what you read? Uh, well, obviously, I use the books to make YouTube videos. <laughs> uh, well, it was funny. I'm laughing no? on the inside. No, really. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of the information actually and the the process that we go through I use in my classroom um, and my, my personal experience of the books that I've read and I have discussions with my students because I post on my board every day, uh, not every day, when I change books, I post on my board what book I'm reading because I have an electronic board uh, in my classroom. So I post the, the, the artwork of the cover and uh, a lot of times that gets conversations going with my students and I get to know them better and they get to know me better and we build a better uh, community in my classroom. So that's really how I've used books recently in like the last, I don't know, five plus years of my classroom. Yeah. And a more serious answer to the the reading process. I think some people have asked this. Um, I tend to have a very disjointed way where when I'm reading, as soon as I hit a thought where I'm like, this could be referencing that, I stop and I'll either write something down or I'll go to look something up and, you know, fall down some type of rabbit hole. And usually 10 minutes later, I just pick up right at that point in that sentence where I continue. And what happens is I compile all these notes and I start to organize them by themes when you and I are going to have these discussions. And people might say like, well, that seems like a lot of work. Um, I was doing this. I was doing this before we did YouTube. This is how I process information because I like to look at how authors might sprinkle themes or ways that I interpret themes throughout the book. And, um, 
This is a lot of work to your point, but it is how I get the most out of my reading, which is important to me. So question 11, if you could download a book to your brain, would you still read it? No, I downloaded it. All right, question 12, what are your views on rereading a book? <laughs> I think this is crucial. We've talked about so many times on this channel that I've gotten so much more out of books uh, that I read twice at different points in my life. And I've realized that some of the books when I read when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, were not good books. And I didn't know how to read or I didn't know I won out of a book. I think it's very important that you go back and reread books throughout different times in your life. You'll, you'll see, you'll notice how much they changed and how much you changed. All right. Question 13 and 14 kind of go together. What makes a good, good book good and what makes a book bad? And uh, this was kind of hard because there's a lot of, I mean, the, the subjective versus objective thing pops up and new booktubers or new people who've never seen that conversation are always like super excited about it. <laughs> but, um, it is hard to define what is objectively versus subjectively good. For me, it, the first thing that kind of like popped into my head, I mean, you being a teacher, like you're, you're probably thinking like, well, grammatical errors, right? Like that's bad. You should write smoothly, clearly, right? But then we come across those authors like Faulkner or Clarice Lee Spector, or you haven't read her yet, but um, Hilda Hilst who specifically break the rules of grammar, right? And to me, this kind of comes down to the jazz argument of if you, uh, my friend made this like musical generator where he was programming it to generate songs, like a computer making its own song. Hmm. If it was programmed to only follow the rules every time, whether you chose fast tempo, slow tempo, like you, you know, like a lot of different, like, you know, what key to use. It, it sounded like Kenny G every single time. If you follow the rules specifically, <laughs> Which I don't know <laughs> if that's funny. a comment. I don't know if that's a commentary on Kenny G or a commentary on my friend's programming skills. But he was trying to or get life. It to, well, he was trying to get it to when do you break the rules, right? Does it just occasionally break the rules? You know, random number generator when you break the rules. Is it uh, a pattern for when you break the chromatic uh, rules of, of you know notes and what note to play? And he could never figure out how to make it sound good. It always just sounded just like things were making mistakes but jazz musicians do the exact same thing they can know when to break the rules but it sounds amazing and good and that's that je ne sais quoi about writing that there are things that you can say are good like grammar and such but then there's some authors that come along and know when to break it and it's that that jazz musician skill that becomes their stamp that people resonate with, that I just love this artist or this musician and the way they pull off what they pull off and why no one else sounds like them. It's that personalized stamp to writing that I think is what, I don't know if it's good, but it's what allows people to connect with your writing. I don't know necessarily what a good or bad book is either. I know what is enjoyable and not enjoyable for me. I love characters i love character development i love the hero's journey i love the redemption story uh, some of the the most amazing characters that we've read on this channel and others in my my personal life before the channel that's why i loved those stories is because of of the characters the dresden files i love harry and I love all of the other characters, uh, Karen and 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 Michael and all those characters in that story are the ones why I, I love go back to that world. 
I know for a lot of people love the world building stuff and that can be hit or miss for me, but sometimes that's what I quote see as a bad book or that I don't enjoy so much is the over explaining of it. When you start explaining what the force is in Metachlorians, we, we always have to do Star Wars in there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a tag mm-hmm. and that's our one for this video. Uh, but it, also for me, and, and I learned this about myself because of rereading books, and I'm a Peaks and Valley reader. And the, the channel, if you don't know, you're new to the channel, I that that's where I really, really, really excited and love a book when there's a really good part, but I'm hard on a book when there's a low part or a, what I consider, in my opinion, a boring part. Um, pacing is huge. You know, if, if, if a book hits really good and then slogs through the middle and then nails the ending... What do I do at that point? Is it good or is it bad? I don't know. Um, and to your point of grammatical errors and stuff, I think that's something that I do have a problem with that might be the only definitive thing for me is to say what defines a good or a bad book are plot holes. If you include mm-hmm. something in a book and it never delivers, it never goes anywhere, if you have a character and you set them up and then just we never have any resolution, they're just kind of, they were a throwaway or there's some like subplot and then nothing happens with it. Why did you include it in the book? It was was it filler? Then that's a bad book. You were just trying to get your book up to 200 pages to make money because that's how they used to judge how much money you'd get for a short story or a book. That is the one thing that really gets me is plot holes. So I don't know what a good or bad book is, but plot holes aggravate me. Or mistakes in nonfiction too, right? Yeah, if you don't have the facts right, that can be very, very um, dangerous, uh, especially, you know, in my profession of teaching when students come to me all the time and they've mislearned something or mistaught something. And I'll be like, no, 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 that's according to one person in one book. We have to verify that. That that can be something that's, quote, a bad or a dangerous book. All right, question number 15. How do you feel about not finishing a book? I'm gonna get my feelings wheel. You answer in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> feelings wheel. Uh, it breaks my heart when I can't finish a book because I feel like that when you get a book, there's this unspoken, not contract, but there's this unspoken agreement between you and the author that you gave them your money and you are, I don't know, you're, you're, you're going to give them your time and I, I feel I feel bad when I don't finish their book, but it's their fault, or may, maybe it's fine my fault. I don't know. I don't know if anybody's at fault. We just we didn't mesh. It's like you went out on that first date, and you're like, "Yeah, this was fun," but I don't think we should do this again. All right, I'm back. <laughs> this is my feelings wheel, and we can use and point to different feelings for how we feel. When I don't finish a story, whether it's the author's fault or mine. I feel sad. Can you say that with me? Sad. Sad. Sometimes I feel eternal despair. Say it with me. Despair. Despair. We don't want those feelings. We want happy. So authors, make sure you don't tend me to send me down eternal despair spare send me towards happy happy (laughs) (laughs) all right should the author's personal life matter at all 
Like to the book or to like me? <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little bit confused, but I guess that to the book it can, right? And that's one thing that we have definitely learned and that we do probably far more research than we need to. But sometimes we've gleaned understanding of a book by understanding the author. So it doesn't have to matter, but it can sometimes. All right. If you could only read one genre for the rest of your life, what would it be? A, I'm going to go with shocker literary fiction. I did think about this because I was like, well, wouldn't it be fun just to read genre fiction? I'm like, no, sometimes I get sick of that. Sometimes I get, you know, sick of literary fiction and I just need a break from that too. There's no perfect genre that's like, this is the one to read forever. But for me, I get, I get the most out of literary fiction that I think that's my selection. I would probably agree at this point in my life, but I would, again, I'm going to kind of cheat here a little bit. I depend on what crypto you're talking to at 15. It's fantasy at 25. It's, uh, star Wars and, you know, light fantasy, like Harry Potter type stuff. Uh, 30, it is historical fiction and nonfiction history books, uh, and now, you know, uh, as I'm approaching 40, yeah, literary yeah. fiction. Yeah, we're, we're creatures of change, and that's okay. Question yeah. number 18, do you ever read a book without knowing anything about it? All the time. Don't you have to at least know the title? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, well, once you tell me the title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sec- penultimate question. Second to last. What author, genre, series, or culture can you just not get into and why? Well, is I this, mean. Is this me? Is this you? Is this me? Is this you? No, that's you. That's you. Yeah, this you me? do this one because I don't well, really Well, then why'd you an start answer. it? That's right. What? I'm okay. sorry. No. Is drinks. it you? Is it me? Is, is it you? You? It's me? It's me? All right. Him? Him? Hang on. Him, her? Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Do it with me. Pinky's out for the Codex Cantina. Let's do this. Pinky's out. Pinky's out. <sighs> oh. You're, you're probably wondering what my answer mm. will be for this. And that's because it's a mystery. No, no seriously. It is mysteries. I, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I just... Every time they're they're just very the, the plot reveal is not really it just doesn't get me I don't know like I'm always just kind of like and it's not a matter of whether I figured it out or not I'm just kind of like oh okay well there was this thing that you could have figured out for that like I don't ever yes I don't like Scooby Doo all right I think it all comes back to Scooby Doo Scooby Doo he hurt me Scooby Doo hang on <laughs> Scooby Doo <laughs> makes me feel disgust yes. say it with me disgust. Disgust. No, as I don't show this video to my son. He's a huge Scooby Doo fan, but I don't know. Just never connected with mysteries, and it's a mystery as to why. I think you have this unusual ability, like no other reader I've ever met, that you can read one line, you get this one nugget in chapter three, and you figure out the twist, you figure out the mystery. It's uncanny, and and some of the other people that we've talked to are like, man, Una, he just he already knows because we'll have read a book and you haven't, and you figure it out, and so I can see why those might not be as enjoyable because you you pick up on the foreshadowing better than anybody else I've ever read with. Well, I so. appreciate the flattery that you give to me, but <laughs> even even if I don't know what's happening, like I still don't. The wool over my eyes has never been a trick that's kind of worked for me. 
Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that trick. It just it just doesn't work for me for some reason, and I don't understand why. It'd be nice to know why. Someone, hey, analyze me. Figure, tell me out what's wrong with me. All right, oh, question. my wife can charge you for that. That's true. It's true. And if you want to see someone who's really good at guessing endings, you should don't ever watch a movie with my wife. She'll tell you every time how it's going to end, and she nails it every time. Question number 20. <laughs> do you think everyone should read? Why? Yeah, of course. This is what separates us from the animals, right? Reading helps define us. It helps us communicate. It helps you feel. It helps you grow. It is us. Um, I, I think that, I don't know. I think I would add on to this question of should people read in groups or buddies? I think that that's one thing I try to advocate to my students is it's more fun to learn with someone else. Two brains are better than one. Doing the read-alongs and the live streams, it just it's it's arguably so much better when you see someone else's perspective or how they felt about it or which character they liked or disliked. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that's something that is is great about books is it can be a community. It doesn't have to be you brooding by yourself as a teenager, being lost in this fantasy world or being lost in books all by yourself. It can be so much more together controversial opinion for a booktube person i'm gonna say no to this one like Fair. should you read the answer is i don't think you should have to um i i think i think it comes back to our earlier question of when stories evolve what are they there it's narration is evolving like narrative is evolving i should say um and whether you choose to get that author stories through movies, through going out with people and connecting with them, it's all about understanding this shared experience that we have in this world. And I think stories and stories printed in books are great ways to do that. But I don't think it has to be the only way that you should do this. That I think there's a lot of different ways to experience life. And uh, I guess I guess I'm just not as prescriptive. I, I think reading is one of the best ways to do this, but you know. It's kind of unfair to movies and shows where people always view that as like the the brain candy. And and I view I'm guilty of this, right? But there are extremely intelligent ways of looking at and experiencing movies and breaking them down and discussing them. You just have to find the right avenues. And I think we've found an avenue for exploring that with books that there's pro- probably ways to do that with other mediums as well. I think you and I took the question differently. I think you again, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm putting words in your mouth is did you read it do you think everybody should only consume information that is read no no i I just i just took it as should you ever partake in reading like at some point like imagine there's a law passed where okay every citizen must log on to this website and digitally log in and document what they read this week Right. Like you, you must read at least once a week. Like I'm viewing it as like everyone should read, uh, like it should be compulsory that you have to is kind of one ways to think about yeah, this. That, that's called, that's called high school. <laughs> high school ends, buddy. That's, that's a short term sentence. But they did read. Oh, well, you didn't, you didn't talk about how long the sentence is though. All right. Tagging. I, I think that everybody should do what they want, but I think that it doesn't mean you initially, just because you should read doesn't mean that you aren't going to watch movies or you aren't going to watch awesome TV shows. All right, let's move into tags. I'm going to I'm gonna go back. I like this thing. If I, brought, if I went all the way upstairs to get this dang pillow, I'm going to use it while I'm here. I am going to tag the world according to Jay because he makes me feel joyful. 
He's a very funny person, and I enjoy watching his channel. And I'm going to also tag Leslie, because she makes me feel... Pick an L one. Pick an L one. An L for Leslie? She makes... I can't, yeah. say, I can't say loving. That's a little too intimate. I don't know. Is there any other L's on Oh, you don't love Leslie? I love Leslie. I, 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 just, I, just, I just feel like I ought not to say that. Um, liberated. Leslie helps me feel liberated. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right, that, you got to bring that on the show more often. That's great. Tell me how it makes you feel. It makes me feel wonderful. All right. I feel optimistic about that. Okay. Now, if you guys feel powerful or inspired by having spent some time with us today, consider hitting that subscribe button. Share this tag. Go subscribe to Brandon. Help him reach his 1,000 subs goal by the end of the year and it would be much appreciated we love you guys for spending some time with us and hope you guys had some fun on the first ever late night on the cantina una out una out peace